Good evening, Swain Event, fueled by Dead End Barbecue, top 100 barbecue restaurant in America. It is Thursday, the second day of the second month of the year, 2023. Feels weird even saying it, but here we are. Ben McKee of GoVault 247. Thank you for making the Swain Event part of your day if you're listening with us live this evening or if you are hitting the play button on your way to work or on your way to wherever you're going in the morning or in the evening, middle of the day, we appreciate you. Ben, what is up, my friend? What's up, Jay Swain? How are you? Oh, man. Um, I, I'm, I'm good, man. I think I'm as good as I'm going to be. <laughs> I, I, I'm good as I'm going to be, my friend. Um, Why is that? <sighs> because you're because Look. you're just doing so well, or because are you down in the dumps after that ugly basketball game last night? You, you're not feeling good. You, you sound a little stuffy. Yeah, that's 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 why, man. I got my I got my tussin and <laughs> what is this called? Uh, my, my, my day quill. So yeah, it's, it's been, it's been one of those days or a couple of days, but, uh, no, nah, man, I'm not down in the dumps and I don't really overreact to a road loss in February. <laughs> I mean, at the beginning of February, uh, I react, but I don't overreact. And I think the appropriate reaction is bad shooting. Not acceptable. That performance not acceptable, but it happens. I mean, it happens. You play enough basketball games, you play enough baseball games, you're going to lose to teams you're not supposed to lose to. And Tennessee baseball was better than every team that they played last year. And lost a couple games. And this Tennessee basketball team was better than Colorado, better than Kentucky, and, and better than... Florida, but not on the days they played them. And you can't shoot below 30%, 20-something percent from the field and expect to win and you have your two seniors go four for 23 combined and Santi and Josiah and Jordan James. But, no, nah, I'm I'm good, man, because this, this team still can achieve all their goals. They can go win a bunch of games that's out in front of them in the regular season and some, some games in the postseason, and um, they can go all the way. They can't have a performance like they had against against Saturday. So no, I'm good, man. How you? How you looking good with your Lady Falls sweatshirt on? I appreciate you. Had to represent. Finally got a dub tonight. I say finally as if they haven't won in a while. They are nine and one in SEC play after beating a a feisty Ole Miss team. I love that Ole Miss women's basketball coach, Coach Yo. She's oh, yeah. she's a, a a ball of energy. Yeah, um, she really she is. she's somebody I would want my kid to play for yeah for sure um but nice win for the lady balls tonight um but unfortunate game last thursday night against uconn you and i were both at that game which is why we did not do a show last thursday night uh but i'm good i'm with you on the basketball team i'm more frustrated by the fan reaction than the actual basketball team I, i i was disappointed and i was very frustrated by the game last night i felt like they were not locked in to start the game, and the reason I felt that way was because of some of some of the uncharacteristic turnovers 
and uh, backdoor cuts that they allowed just just falling asleep on defense. And, and to me, that's a sign of not being locked in, especially when I know what this team is is capable of and, and their experience. I asked Rick Barnes his thoughts on that after the game, and he did disagree with my assessment. He, he thought they were locked in, and uh, he, he obviously has every right to, to, to believe that. Uh, he is around his team 24-7. He traveled with his team. He prepared with his team. He spoke to the team in the locker room before the game, spoke to them in the pregame huddle on the court right before tip-off, and, and I was watching seven hours away on TV uh, and only got to see two hours and, and only got to see the game action. So uh, Rick did think that they were locked in, which made me feel a little bit better uh, if he was being genuine with that answer, which he is always genuine uh, w- with his answers. He, he's obviously one that's going to tell you how it is. He, he's not going to do a whole lot of a coach speak, but that's why I was frustrated about last night. It, it wasn't the missed shots uh, because that that's part of basketball. Yeah, it does. It, it does allow the worries of a March run to, to creep up because I, I it's just hard for me to trust this offense for three, four straight games in a row. But I would say this, and, and I wrote about it quite a bit last week when Jay Billis was in town for, for college game day because he talked about it. I asked him on a Zoom availability what he sees different about this basketball team that could potentially get them over the hump in March. And, and his thought, kind of came back to to the offense after he talked about how good defensively they are and and all the good things that this team does well. He came back around and and spoke about how what Rick worries most about, and he admitted this to Jay Billis before the Kentucky game a couple of weeks ago, is whether or not they're going to make shots. But Jay Billis added on that that is a worry for every coach in America, uh, is whether or not their their teams are are going to make shots on on any given night. So I, I think that's very telling that it's not a, a Tennessee basketball issue in terms of the offense. Obviously, there are better offenses, but uh, just in terms of, of consistent shot making from night to night, that that's a college basketball issue more so than anything because these guys aren't professionals. Yeah. A couple things. I think first, it's important to kind of address last two Thursdays of, of not being able to do the show live. Um once the daily Swain event that broadcasted every morning uh, went away, we had to pick a day that wouldn't interfere interfere the most with other sporting events. And we looked at Tuesday, we looked at Wednesday, we knew that it would interfere with a lot of the boys' games. Um, we knew the Lady Vols were going to play um, on the weekends and during the week as well, too. But that Thursday game just hit right on the Lady Vol game. Um, so the past two Thursdays, uh, you were covering one, and um, I went to one other with my daughter, um, and it it hasn't been smooth every single week being able to um, be consistent with the Thursday night schedule, especially the last two. And so um, what I'm going to continue to do is try to make sure that we're able to 
to rock this thing uh, as consistently as possible. This is this is all new territory for both of us. Um, ben is a, a new father, and man, got a chance to see Knox last weekend. Uh, what was that last weekend? Eh, two weekends ago, and um, your new father, and uh, I'm, you're a new gig, and I'm in a new gig, and so the Swain event is very important to us and very important to a lot of people and um, want to make sure that when you're, when you're going on your phones, you get that update that there's a new, new episode. And so um, want to make sure cover that, you know, first, secondly, I'll um, address what you said about <clears throat> the back cuts and, and what Rick Barnes said. See, I felt like they were, they were, they were locked in. They just kind of got shell shocked because Florida came out super aggressive and was making some shots. So, like if you remember, um, last weekend we played Texas, and Texas hit us for some back cuts in that game, and we were we were locked in during that game as well. I mean, college game day was in town; it was a home game. So, yeah, one game where you're locked in, hundred percent, no doubt about it, in Texas. And then another game where it's on the road against an inferior opponent, but the same back cuts was giving Tennessee problems. The reason why is because we really sometimes overplay uh, and we're super aggressive on that pass to the wing. That's why Tennessee's number one defense in the country because we just don't give you that pass. Like, we, we are contesting that pass. And teams watch film and say, hey, man, we, we're, we're not going to risk turning the ball over we're just going to back cut. And that's really what every basketball coach teaches, you know, their offensive players is, hey, man, if you can't, if, if, if you can't get the ball on the wing and you're Z-cutting and V-cutting and trying to get open and you can't get open, they're up the line so far where you can't get the ball, just back cut, back cut to the basket. And that'll slow up some of that, that pressure. And I think that's what happened in the last two games. People started looking at the film. They just, they just back cut us. So I I don't. I don't think we were not locked in. Uh, I just feel like we didn't make shots, and we couldn't do anything else when we when we had troubles making shots on the outside. Like we got to be able to say, "All right, man, it ain't falling. Let's get to the rim." There's another game, Ben, and I answer the phone. I make this point, answer the phone, let you roll. But like, there's another game where Tennessee loses, where the opponent has made more free throws than we have attempted. It's another one while shooting poorly. And at some point you have to stay. We are not making shots on the outside. Let me get to the basket. King Chandler was good at doing that. Uh, we were able to put Grant Williams on the block, on the elbow, give him the ball, let him cook. But we're not doing that. It has to be Olivier. It has to be Julian Phillips. Z got a correct going to the basket, dumping it off. Like, what else are we going to do when you're not making shots? No, I, I completely agree with that. That is something that Rick Barnes has preached all season long because it, it, it can't just solely be the defense. Like, I, obviously, the defense needs to continue to to be rock solid and, and play well. But uh, you, you can play rock solid defense for – 
for, for several minutes down the stretch. And if you're not scoring on the other end, that, that rock solid defense is, is going to be wasted. It, it can't just be the defense that wins you the game uh, on nights that you're not able to shoot well, because you, you got to be able to score in order to win the game on top of, of playing solid defense. So I, I agree with you. I mean, there, there's really only one guy that I think can, can drive and, and get to the bucket. Uh, well, I'd say two guys. Zakai obviously can. I think Sati can. And I, I've had kind of the thought to myself that, that I wish he would be more aggressive in terms of, of trying to score because every time he drives, he's great at getting to the rim, but he gets to the rim and looks to kick out for a, a three or a mid-range jumper or, or something along those lines. I, I think that he could, could get to the free throw line and, and get the ball in the hoop if he looked to score more. And that just goes back to, to him being a, a very unselfish player and, and maybe needing to be more selfish moving forward. So I, I agree with you there. They, they need more offensive options. Unfortunately, the, the post play ha, has been inconsistent. And, and I don't necessarily think Olivier played poorly a, against Florida. Uh, he played really well at times, in fact, but it, it can't be all him. The, those mm-hmm. other guys need to, to step in and help him from time to time in, in the post. And I'd like to see Tyreek Key and Julian Phillips become more involved in the offense. And I realize that it's a guard-heavy roster, so Zakai and Josiah and, and Santi are going to take the majority of the shots. They, they are, they're going to have the, the big volume of shots each night. But I, I think Tyreek Key is too good of a scorer, too good of a shooter to, to have as few many shots as, as he has. And, and Julian Phillips is too good in the lane at, at drawing contact and, and finishing through contact and, and getting to the free throw line for him not to do that more often yeah. as well. Yeah, let me get to the phones, man. Let's get to the phones. And uh, I think we got Turkey Man. Turkey Man's. Hey. We got you, Turkey Man. There you go. Good evening. There you go. Yeah, I, I, you lost me there, so I had to call you back. What's up? Are you there? Well, what's up? you guys. Uh, I've, I've been missing you guys. I, uh, I've, uh, I'm, I missed uh, one one. One Thursday night, I forgot about it. Uh, that is Thursday night, and it's one night, and uh, use that not on for a couple of Thursday nights. So it's been a while since I got to got to talk to you, Stephen. We here. It's good to hear your voice, man. Hey, hey, Ben. Uh, here in a little bit, uh, you get a chance to give us a rundown on the on the the uh, final recruits we got. And uh, I think we got a quarterback, and maybe get a chance before before you get off. Maybe talk a little baseball if you can. But I wanted to, I wanted to put a plug in. If you let me. Uh, I'm fixing to do a YouTube uh, uh, channel. Uh, Going to be uh, uh, here coming another month or so. Uh, start uh, filming, and and I may contact you, Swain, and see if you'd like to do a smoking uh, segment. Uh, uh, kind of showing people how to how to smoke, uh, maybe some ribs or something. Well, give me a give me a shout, Turkey Man. Give me a shout. Um, well, it's going to be a little little on unique. There's a lot of little places uh, that I've uh, that I've seen or went went to. It's uh, uh, a lot of people maybe hadn't seen it. Maybe go and visit the location and and do a little maybe fishing and and cooking on the creek and. A uh, little, little different, different, different than most. Yeah, well, give me but, a shout. Uh, give me a shout offline about it, Turkey Man. All right, buddy. Yeah, we'll... I'll let you go. And and uh, good, to, good to talk to you. And uh, and 
it's good to hear you, Ben. And, and uh, I, I keep up with you on Facebook a little bit. And that, that baby is growing, ain't he? He, he is growing like absolute ain't wildfire. All right. uh, I'll let you go, guys. All right, Turkey, man. Get in. We got Thanks, you. We got man. you, Turkey, man. You. We got you. Uh, we definitely going to talk about uh, recruiting and uh, baseballs around the corner. So you already know I'm going to throw Ben the oop so he can uh, slam it home. Uh, but the, the, the thing I'll um, say about basketball before we transition, you mentioned earlier that you're a little frustrated by the, the, the reaction. And um, Rick Barnes is treated differently than the other two coaches that find themselves found themselves ranked number one and number two in the regular season. Some of some of it's fair, some of it is unfair, but it it that's what it is, and part of it is that Rick Barnes has not had the postseason success that he needed to have for people to be optimistic about where the train is going. I am one that. I'm not worried about that right now. It is the beginning of February. We have played 31 games. <laughs> I'm enjoying the moment. Now, when the brackets are created, then I may not be as optimistic. Then I may question what's going to happen with this basketball team. Then I may not have the confidence that the season is going to extend as long as it needs to extend because of the past failures. But right now I'm in the moment. But there are some folks that they can't live in a moment because they know that the train is going to fall off the rails at some point because of the past failures. Now that's your style and that's your style. That's how you want to do things and how you want to think. That's you. I'm not about to tell you how to think or, or feel. But there's been this question, like, why haven't people gotten into this basketball season with this team who, before the loss, and they still are actually right now until the new poll comes out, like, they're number two in the freaking country. Like, they're number two in the freaking country right now. And if Tennessee baseball is number two in the country, people will be doing backflips. If Tennessee football is number Which two in the are. country, they'll be doing backflips. But... I think Rick Barnes, fairly or unfairly, gets treated a little bit differently in this basketball program. And I think another reason why is because Rick Barnes frankly told folks, that, yeah, I was about to leave. I was about to leave to go to UCLA. And it was the money that kept me, kept me here. And that rubbed people wrong for some reason because that's no different than you having a job and you're thinking about hopping town or going to another job until the job they currently have decides to pay you more and then you decide to stay. They ain't really no different, but that has hurt Rick Barnes in the eyes of some people. And 
the fact that Rick Barnes was so enamored with the UCLA job for so long as a coach really makes sense when you look at the lack of enthusiasm for a number two team in the country. Because if UCLA was number two in the country, they would have a lot of buzz, even though they are in L.A. And L.A. is dominated by the Lakers uh, mainly. But there would be a lot of buzz with the UCLA basketball fan base. Some of it's fair, some of it's unfair. But <coughs> another thing is there are people who just are not basketball fans. <laughs> I mean, that's that's part of it too, man. They're just not basketball fans. And that's okay. There's a lot of people who are not baseball fans. But they like Tony Vitello. They like Tony Vitello. Now, I haven't came across anybody who are not football fans. But you have this football fan base that some of them like baseball. Some of them don't. Some of them like, some of them like basketball. Some of them don't. But it's been weird, man. Like, the energy has not made a lot of sense as far as the buzz. I will say this, Ben. The games have been sold out, though. Like, yeah. <laughs> these big games, like, they, they've been sold out. So, like, Twitter doesn't speak for the entire fan base. Uh, you know, Sports Talk Radio don't speak for the entire fan base. Them tickets are selling out. Those tickets are selling out. So, that should tell you a lot um, as well about – you know, the excitement and the support level of, of the fans, man. It was a packed house in Texas. Um, it's going to be a packed house this weekend, and it's going to be a packed house moving forward, uh, home games during the weekend. So what Tennessee players need to do and this team needs to do is just, man, go out there and prevent what happened last year, and that's the second-round loss to a team like Michigan. Man, when, you, when you're number two in the country, you have this type of success, you have to understand that, People want to see this program advance further than the second round. I think that's a fair request. I truly believe that. I think you can do. I think you can do two things at once, though. You can chew bubble gum and walk at the same time. You can enjoy the moment. <laughs> you can say, "Man, these guys are giving their all for Tennessee and playing their ass off, and you know, representing Tennessee with class, and they're number two in the freaking country." And also say, but I'm a little cautious. When we get to postseason, I'll be a little cautious because we don't fare well in the postseason. You can do both. You can do both. Yeah, I, I shared those exact thoughts on Twitter about a week or so ago that you you can appreciate the regular season and also want more success in March at the same time. It, it's possible to to want both things and have both things. It's not a, a black or white conversation. It's there, there's a gray area and there's a ton of nuance and there there's so many different directions we could go in this conversation. We need a three hour show to 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 tackle that topic. Uh, I'm sure you and Josh have have done a great job of of managing that conversation the the last couple of weeks. And I agree with everything you said. That uh, there is certainly a lack of interest, or I, I think the better way to say it, the interest isn't the same as the the Grant and Admiral. And I would throw Lamonte in there as well, uh, because I think the difference is that those Grant and Admiral and Lamonte teams had a, a, a little bit of that Tony Vitello flair that captivates people. Yep. And Zakai Ziegler is really the uh, – Urosh has, <laughs> has his flair. 
But in in terms of significant contributors on the teams, the guys Eagle is really the the only one with with flair uh, in that sense. Like Josiah Jordan James, if, if you've noticed, he he's had a different swagger to him of lately. Uh, talking to the opposing bench, pointing at opposing players after he knocks down a shot, uh, pointing at opposing coaches and and talking. You didn't see that from Josiah early on, and, and Santi's kind of the the same way in that regard. But but they're not as demonstrative as as those other guys. Um, and, and they're not as demonstrative as uh, Tony Vitello in the baseball program. So I, I think that has a, a little bit uh, to to do with it. They have great personalities. They are great people, but they don't necessarily captivate the, the same way. And that speaks to our society, right? <laughs> Negativity, in a sense, sells more than, than positivity and and the trolling and, and the pettiness like that. That's what gets everybody going. And, and the one guy that has it on this basketball team that is a significant contributor is Kai Ziegler. And I don't think it's any coincidence that he's the fan favorite. Uh, so I, I do think there's a little different dynamic with the roster, but ultimately, ultimately I do think people appreciate the program. I think it is a, 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 a loud minority but there is no doubt that the interest has tailed off uh, a little bit. And I do think it is because people are, are cautiously waiting for the NCAA tournament uh, because I think they want this program to have success because they know how terrific the bunch of people are over there in that building. But they, they've been heartbroken a couple of times <laughs> the, the last several years. So Recording I, 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 think in progress. I think they're cautiously waiting to see what happens in March. And, and I think that alone is taming the excitement. Uh, and it, it kind of is what it is. Yeah. I, I'm not going to fault anybody who, who's waiting around for March. I see the numbers on the things that I write. It, it's just not the same. There is a, a, a lack of interest compared to in years past. And, and even myself, like I, I don't find my myself as excited as – I was during the Grant and Admiral years. And I don't think it's because I, I have a new role covering basketball to the extent that I am. I also don't think uh, I'm just tired of, of this era of basketball. I, I think it is because I'm, I, I recognize that they are a great regular season team, but I've seen this song and dance and, and I'm waiting to see how the dance ends up turning out in in March because I'm fearful that it's going to repeat what has happened in in years past. So even I feel it uh, from from my standpoint of just covering the team on on a day-to-day basis. But at the end of the day, this is a team that absolutely had the chance to make the Final Four and and make the Elite Eight. And there's not a team in the country that, that does not have something about it that won't make its fans worried for March. Yeah. And you can't blame Rick Barnes for being somewhat interested in going to UCLA and deciding to come back because Tennessee's going to pay him more money. Like, you got the number one, you got the number two team in the country, and the excitement level is not where it needs to be. So, uh, you really can't. It, that's that's just has frustrated me to, to no end. I said it earlier. That frustrated it, it frustrated me more how people come out of the woods to to jump on the back of Rick Barnes in this basketball program more after a single loss over the course of a 35 to 40 game season. More people come out in that regard than they do to celebrate a big win over Texas uh, over the weekend. Yeah. 
Okay. It, it was just ho-hum after a win. And I, I realized that's the expectation, but that's still a big freaking win. And it, it doesn't pale in, in comparison to, to the overreaction of one loss at the beginning of February. It was an ugly loss. It highlights the concerns of this team in March, but it, it there, there's too many who, who can't wait to jump on Rick Barnes' back. And look, I get it. There should be more success in March up until this point, but I, I just don't see how people just can't wait to jump on a guy's back that, that does so much in our community. He, he has brought so much happiness and, and has, has still brought a ton of winning to a program that in its, in its history, it, it has won before, but not to the levels of a blue blood. Yeah. Check, check this out. I, I mentioned this on Joshua Swain today. And I swear we need to move on to football and baseball. Tennessee's baseball's record last year was 57 and 9. You played 66 games, you won 57 of them. The winning percentage, 84%. Football, you play 13 games. And you won 11, you lost two. Winning percentage, 85%. 85%. Currently, where Tennessee basketball is, 27-4. and four. Let's say Tennessee goes and loses two more games. 18-4. and 18-4, not 27-4. 18-4. I don't know why I put that. 18-4. So let's say that Tennessee goes and win or loses two more games. Two more games. That will be 25 and 6. I don't know how many games they are playing. I, I think it's 30. Yeah, and, we, we, and then we obviously play, you'll, we play Auburn, you'll play Vanderbilt, Missouri, Alabama, Kentucky, Texas A&M, South Carolina, Arkansas and Auburn. So you got you have nine more games, and right now um, you were eighteen and so four. Thirty-one. Eighteen and four. Eighteen and four. So you lose two more games. You're twenty-five and six. That would be eighty-one percent winning percentage. <laughs> like that's good. Out of ten Very games, good. you're winning eight or more games, and the cool thing about basketball and baseball is you still can go win a championship. North Carolina proved that last year. They had a rough record and turned it around. Kansas, their record wasn't the best ever, but they won a championship. Baseball, Ole Miss was terrible at one point, turned it around, won a championship. They were going to fire their coach. Exactly. They turned around and win a championship. The season, the season that we were on with football, like we were on this championship ride, beat Florida, you beat LSU, you beat Alabama, and then when you beat Alabama, Tennessee just jumped in the polls, and winning a championship became realistic after beating Alabama. It became real. It became real. Even losing to Georgia. 
the dream was still alive. You still could win a championship. But the moment we lost to South Carolina, dude, that was like losing in the NCAA tournament in basketball. That was like losing to Notre Dame in baseball. You ain't winning no championship. It's a wrap. But how football is different, football is built to make you feel good at the end because they have bowl games. (laughs) They have these bowl games to where you can finish your season feeling good with a win. Basketball is not built that way. Everybody crying. Everybody mad. Because there's only one winner. But college football, you got the Tax Slayer Bowl. You got the Orange Bowl. You got the Fiesta Bowl. And if you, even if you come up short in your run for a championship, you can feel good about winning the last game. And that's what happened with Tennessee. We beat the brace off Clemson in the Orange Bowl. But in basketball and baseball, your last game is the L. Your last game is the L. So I just I just I just found that kind of fascinating, man. Um that I think I think folks just don't like basketball, number one. And I think some people just don't like Rick Barnes. And Rick Barnes doesn't get that same grace as some of the other coaches because they like those other coaches or like that sport. I do understand that Rick Barnes has been coaching longer, so that he has more examples of not winning in the postseason. And so he doesn't get that benefit of doubt like a Hypo or Vitello because they're newer. But if 10 years goes by and Hypo and Vitello has had the same postseason results as Rick Barnes, I wonder if they will get that same energy that Rick Barnes getting now, and I doubt it. Absolutely, I think that they, maybe not to the same extent, but I, I really do think that that they'll get the same energy. You think they I, I've said, I uh, yes, I, I've I, I've said it a, a million times the the last couple of weeks in these conversations that I that I've had elsewhere. Um, look, Tony, uh, he, he's had a tremendous amount of success. He, he's been awesome. What, what he's been able to do in terms of turning around the program. Uh, has been tremendous, but he still has yet to win a game in Omaha. He's yet to win a College World Series game. And when you're investing $50 million into baseball facilities and you're you're paying him what you're paying him and he's recruiting at the level that he is recruiting, you're expected to win championships. And if if you don't, and it's not even winning championships with, with Rick, it's the fact that he hasn't, made it to the final four or the elite eight. So if Tony continues to make it into the tournament and, and have dominant regular seasons, but he can't make it to Omaha or, or win games in Omaha, then the same conversation is going to start. And same with Heifel. And obviously it's going to get easier for, for Heifel because the, the playoffs are expanding. And don't take that as me saying it's it's just going to be easy to make the, the college football playoffs. But it, it does change a, a, a little bit when it goes from four to 12 teams. But if, if Heifel continues to win eight, nine, ten games every single season, but he's not going to Atlanta or he's not making the playoffs, fans are going to get frustrated because, again, Heifel is one of the highest-paid coaches in the SEC. 
you're at a place that that you can win national championships. Regular seasons are great that they are appreciated um, by most, in my opinion. But the, there's going to be that that loud minority that isn't necessarily calling for a coach to be fired, but the the moment they get an opportunity to voice their frustrations, they will. So I, I absolutely think that it will happen uh, with those coaches. Look, I, I'm obviously a Pittsburgh Steelers fan. Mike Tomlin's never had a losing season. There's a ton of Steelers fans frustrated with Mike Tomlin. <laughs> wow. Like, yeah, we appreciate that stat, yeah. but we ain't been to the Super Bowl since 2010, 2011. I mean, that, that was over a decade ago. We haven't won a playoff game in six, seven, eight years. So, like, okay, it's cool that he hasn't had a a a losing record, and and he's greatly appreciated for that. But even like Steelers fans are like. <laughs> Okay, that's cool, but can we win some playoff games in addition to, to not having a losing record during the regular season? No, that's a good point. That's a good point. Good point. Got to win in the postseason, man. Got to win more in the postseason. I think we all can agree. I think we all can agree on that. All right, let's take a, um, let's take a quick timeout. And Trigger Man... Wanted to know about the quarterback that, that Tennessee just got. Also, Tennessee made a tight end hire. That was announced today. We'll discuss that. So, we're transitioning to Tennessee football right here on the Swain event. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Guys, if you notice a lack of energy, motivation, and drive, it could be Low-T. You know you need to stop playing around and schedule your complete health assessment at Low-T Center. They now offer the convenience of monitored self-inject at-home testosterone treatments for just $155 a month, cash pay, or covered by most health insurance. If you don't live near a Low-T Center, or you just want the convenience of at-home treatment, all good. Low-T Center makes it easy to get started on treatment. Only your first two visits are in person. Go to LowTCenter.com now to book your appointment online. Low-T Center, reinventing men's health care. Top 100 Barbecue Restaurant Dead End Barbecue is a no-brainer when you are craving the smoky flavor of quality Q. Dead End makes it easy to enjoy their fantastic menu with online ordering from Chow Now for pickup. Or if you don't feel like leaving the house, then have Dead End Barbecue delivered right to your door by Loco Knoxville or Bite Squad. Cheer on your favorite team with the best barbecue around. Check them out online at deadendbbq.com. Dead End Barbecue. The search is over. Hey there, Swain Event fam. Happy to be back with you on the weekly show. And although our Swain Event schedule has changed, I'm still here on a daily basis to help you with your real estate needs. So if you are still looking for your forever home, give me a call. Jennifer Morris with Keller Williams Realty, 865-257-7897. Or email me at jennifermorris865 at gmail.com. And go Vols! You're listening to the Swain Event. You don't say! Fueled by Dead End Barbecue. All right, Swain Event, Fueled by Dead End Barbecue, Top 100 Barbecue Restaurant in America, live here from the Low T Center studio, Ben McKee of Go Vols 247. Glad that you are with us. 
think the biggest biggest news here is with Tennessee football is man, we finally made a hire. Finally made a hire at tight end, and um, that is a hire from within with uh, Alec Ablin, who was in a off the field role. He's sliding in, take Alex Golish's place as a tight ends coach. Uh, we've already seen a promotion with, from within with Tennessee's offensive coordinator, Josh Heupel, is going to be calling plays. Joy Hawsley there is the offense coordinator, and um, Hawsley is going to. He'll cut his teeth, same way that Golish did, and put himself in a position to be able to call plays uh, in the future. This would be the third promotion from within under Josh Heupel. Uh, Joey Hawsley was promoted from within, coach quarterbacks. Now is the offense coordinator. <coughs> Kelsey Pope was QC two years ago before the receiver coach Cody Burns left to go to the NFL and Kelsey Pope took his position. Now you have Alec Ablin sliding in. And I'll be honest, I don't know anything about him other than he was offensive line lineman at Missouri when Josh Heupel was the offense coordinator. And I'll be honest again, my initial reaction was, meh. <laughs> meh. The reason why is because I don't know if he can recruit. I don't know. I have no clue. I have no clue if he can recruit. And that's my same reaction with Kelsey Pope. Why? Because I didn't know if he can recruit. Because that's the name of the game. In the SEC, you got to be able to recruit. Now, seeing how Kelsey was able to pull more out of his receivers than the previous coach, I think Kelsey can recruit. I think from everything I've heard, from a whole year of recruiting, I think he's going to be okay. But Alec Abel, he just got the job. I don't know. I haven't heard any stories yet. You got you to be able to recruit. Because when you look at this staff right now, the offense staff, you got to have some firepower recruiting. What this staff has been able to do in two years, it's nothing short than remarkable with the talent that they inherited. They obviously done has done they've done more with less. This past season was unreal considering the defensive personnel they inherited. Go out there and win eleven games with this roster in the SEC, freaking amazing. But no one's gonna care. Next year. <laughs> like, no one's going to care. No one's going to care after that. It's about what have you done for me lately. And if we want to maintain what we've done this past season, and that's going to be hard to do. But if that's what you want to do, you want to take the next step, you have to recruit on a higher level. And you don't want to put all the pressure on – Spire in the NIL to attract players. You got to do it with, with coaches, recruiters, dogs. They're going to be banging them phones. And 
Again, I don't know Alec Ablin. I have no clue if he will be good in in in, in recruiting. I hope that he is, but I'm not going to sit here and say he is if I don't know. Just like I'm not going to say he's not because I don't know. But this is a hire that has to work in terms of recruiting because Auburn said we don't care about the past. Bring in Hugh Freeze because we know he's going to recruit and we know he's going to win. And LSU said we're going to up the ante and we're going to bring in Brian Kelly. Nick Saban got embarrassed on national TV by David Pollock saying that Georgia runs college football now. So imagine, and then look at Florida. Like, like Florida's recruiting at a high level right now too. So it's like the octagon of recruiting. That really is my take about this hire. The X's and O's, yeah, that's, that's important. That's cool. I have no problem, no questions in that respect because I know that Josh Heupel is going to recruit at a high level. I mean, uh, offense at a high level. That's what he does. But recruiting is the only question I have, only because I don't know. I don't have anything to work from. Dude, what, what just happened? What are you watching over there? Hold on, hold on, hold on. Let me, let me turn you up. Let me turn you up. What are you watching over there? Grizz, ooh, Donovan Mitchell just punched Dylan Brooks in the face. And honestly, or, or I don't know that he punched it, but there's, there's a big melee in the Grizz-Cavs game. And actually, like Dylan Brooks was involved, as you would expect, but I looking at the replay, I don't think he did anything wrong. Oh, I, Dylan inadvertently, oh, he, he punched him in the throat, kind of. Uh, Dylan, like, rolled back and inadvertently, I think I inadvertently hit Donovan Mitchell in, in a spot no man wants to be hit, and Mitchell was, was not a fan. Oh, actually, I think he did that on purpose. Never mind, I think Dylan Brooks just... Wow, that that was incredible. That was incredible. Uh, it'll be all over social media. I think Dylan Brooks just purposely hit Donovan Mitchell in the nuts, and then Donovan Mitchell came back. And I mean, it wasn't a full on punch, but it, it was very close to it. So that that was all happening while you were discussing the the offensive coordinator. It was a shove in the throat, not a punch. Uh, it, it looked like a punch earlier. I've, I've I apologize, but uh, I agree with you on on the tight ends coach hire. When I heard the news earlier today, and I mean it, I I kept forgetting that Tennessee needed a tight ends coach because it's just been so so quiet in in that regard and under the radar. Uh, but it was just kind of ho hum when when I heard the news. I I, I didn't have a, a huge reaction. I, I think I would have had a stronger reaction had Kelsey Pope not worked out the way that he did. Uh, Josh Heupel is obviously putting a, a ton of hope, I, I guess is the word, uh, in into this hire or uh, is is trusting what he knows. And I, I think Heupel deserves the, the benefit of the doubt after Kelsey Pope worked out the, the way that he did. And I agree. Uh, Tennessee's going to have to recruit. But the, the reason they're going to have to recruit on top of obviously needing more talent to, to go win a championship that tight end position is as as valuable a position in, in Josh Heupel's offense as, as any. I mean, obviously, it's not the quarterback position, but I don't I don't think people realize what all the tight ends do in this system. They they do so much, and and you have to have 
uh, versatility in those guys. And, and you really need two or three of them because of how much you are asking them to do. So it, it, it is a huge responsibility, as you were discussing, not only because you need more talent, but because they are so valuable in this offense. And I don't know whether he can recruit or not, but I would like to think what will help him is the fact that he can sell this offense. I, I mean, he, he kind of already gets a head start on being able to recruit because of what this offense does. Uh, and, and he's going to be aided in that fact. But the, the offensive staff, when you look at it as a whole, it, it is very young in terms of experience in their current role, current roles. Kelsey Pope, great first year, but can he sustain the success that he created in his first year? I think that he will because I think he, he's very personable. Uh, I think the, the players absolutely love him. And that, that's what I like about the Alec Ablin hire is, is that it seems like the players really, really like him. Um, and, and you saw that when Kelsey Pope was hired as the receivers coach last year uh, is players coming out and, and being excited and, and talking him up. Uh, and and you're kind of getting that in, in this scenario as well, even with Joey Halsley being promoted to offensive coordinator. So I, I think the, the staff is fascinating in the sense that Kelsey Pope's in, in year two of his first big boy job. Uh, Joey Halsley, first-year offensive coordinator. Uh, this is Alec Ablin's first big boy job. But how can you not trust Josh Heupel at this point, yeah. especially after Kelsey Pope was able to have success this year? So I didn't have a reaction, and, and it's because of that, because how can you not trust Josh Heupel in the decisions that he makes. And and look, it's one of the reasons that he is going to be able to sustain success at Tennessee. Is Josh Heupel going to win a championship? I don't know. But I would be very surprised if he doesn't work out or if he does not sustain success because he knows how to build a culture. He, he knows how to build a culture, not only with his players, but more importantly, or just as importantly, the coaching staff. He, he understands how important the the culture within the coaching staff is and, and how important that, that dynamic is, he's not going to make a move that is going to upset the the chemistry of the staff. And I, I think that is very important. Yeah. I mean, from an X's O standpoint, ain't no reason to question Josh Hype. Well, I think sometimes we live uh, in a world, not I think, but we live in a world where y- you got to be all 100% on board for it, or you got to be against it. And you have to declare it now. And I know you probably get this. I know I get it. Is people are like, hey, man, what's your thoughts? And they're waiting for you to say, really love it, really hate it. I I don't, I don't really have an opinion either way. All I know is, man, you better, be, you better recruit. That's all I got. Get all back. I know. You better recruit. Swain. What's that? All I know. And I, I say this with a ton of love for Jacob Warren. I love Jacob Warren. He, he's one of my favorite players. Uh, he, he's a terrific young man. Uh, I, I've had the pleasure of meeting his dad. His dad is awesome. But I don't want to hear midway through the season that Jacob Warren is helping his tight ends coach learn the systems. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's what happened with uh, Joe Olsen, right? Yeah, and I say that jokingly. Um, I, I I would be very surprised if if that was uh, a scenario that that played out because again, Josh Eichel knows what he's doing, uh, and 
he, he deserves the, the benefit of the doubt. I mean, I, how good will Alec Ablin be? I don't know, but I, I would be surprised if, if he's bad just because Josh Heifel's not going to put somebody of, of that nature in, in this position. If they're not, if they don't have the potential to be really good. Hey, let me tell you something. Kesey Pope is better than Cody Burns. There ain't no doubt about that. Have those Saints, have that Saints offense look this year? So, you know, I like, I like, hey, I like me some Josh Hypo. I rolled me some Josh Hypo. But Cody Burns was not the move. And I think a lot of people knew it. But I digress. He he's really the only one that hasn't worked out though. I, I unless I'm forgetting somebody off the top of my head. Uh, aside from no, that's it. from from Cody Burns, I mean, Hypel has. I'm not gonna say he he's hit a home run with with all of his other coaching hires, but I there's not any honestly there's not anybody on staff right now that I'm looking at like. He needs to go. Yeah, he no, it. absolutely, absolutely not. But I'm just, I'm just saying, like, I'm not gonna sit here in good faith and pretend like every move has been on point to the to the to the to the point where like I'm just gonna just automatically assume that Ablin is gonna be just as great as everybody else because everybody else wasn't great, <laughs> like. It's the reason why off the field QC was better than the on the field receiver coach you had a year prior that had more experience in the SEC. So that's all I'm saying. We'll see. I yep. mean, there, there's obviously no way of knowing. Uh, it'll be fascinating. Again, I, I think the offensive coaching dynamic is. Coaching staff dynamic is is really really interesting just just because of guys three guys essentially in new roles. I, again, I know Kelsey Post done it for a year now, but still young, still still kind of a rookie in the game, so, so to speak. So it, it'll it'll be interesting to see how it plays out. But I I like I say that, but I also know that I, I believe that Kelsey Pope is a future star. In this business, I think Joey Hawsley has the potential to be a, a star in this business. So two out of the three, like you, you feel really, really good about their future. I just don't know anything about Alec Ablin other than the fact that he played under Josh Eiffel and he worked under. Hey, I, uh, dude, I don't know much either, but we gonna know here in a couple weeks, spring practice about his coaching style and how he connects with his players. Obviously there's already a connection because he's on staff and he knows these guys, uh, then we'll know more about his ability to recruit because it's not about just recruiting tight ends. Like I hope people ain't listening thinking, well, all he has to do is just get really good tight ends. No, chief, you got to recruit other positions and you got to recruit players with different backgrounds, different colors, different positions. And your ability to relate will determine how good of a recruiter you are. This staff needs recruiters. Coordinators are normally not, <coughs> excuse me, your recruiters. So now you're looking at running back coach, receiver coach, O-line coach, D-line, linebackers, and DB. So you need some guys that can that can that can recruit 
recruit, recruit. And usually those are some, those are your younger coaches. Like on, on my group, man, Trooper was Trooper was the recruiter. Like he was he was that guy. Pruitt's staff, probably a bad example to use, but <laughs> <laughs> probably a bad example, but I'm gonna go ahead and do it anyways. You know, it was you know, it was Niedermeyer, right? <laughs> it was Niedermeyer and some other. <laughs> um you know, Dooley staff. I don't even remember. Uh, Butch's staff. Who's the recruiter on that staff? <laughs> uh, I think I think Azani was a good recruiter. Yeah, I do. Um, I, I don't think that they they had one great uh, recruiter. I, I thought Coach G, Coach Gillespie. Yeah, he was was a good recruiter. He was solid. But my point is, guys who are not coordinators, you got to recruit. And in this conference, man. If you ain't recruiting, you ain't competing. So, no, recruiting is more important than the coaching <laughs> in some regards. Recruiting is more important than the coaching in some regards. I'm, I'm, I agree. I agree. Um, as far as the quarterback commitment that Turkey Man wanted us to, to discuss, yeah, Ryan Damron, Henry Canney, baby. I know he's gonna get excited about this. Of course, it's it's. I mean, not my hometown. I, I didn't grow up there. I wasn't born there, but it, it it's a place where I, I've spent a lot of time. Spent a ton of my summers, and my mom went to high school there, and grew up there, and my cousins played football there. Uh, Ryan uh, missed my little cousin by just a year. Uh, my youngest cousin played offensive line for Henry County a couple years ago. Missed Ryan by a year, but uh, Ryan got. Is a terrific kid, um, and chose to to pursue his dream of of playing for Tennessee, suiting up for Tennessee uh, over a scholarship offer to go play for George Corals at ETSU, and uh, he he said that he he's super thankful for the opportunity, and uh, he he just wants to come in and compete, whether that's to to try and earn a spot or, or whether that's to make the the people around him better, to to make the room better. So I, I appreciated. Uh, that that mindset. Obviously, Tennessee has Nico Iamaliava, uh, arguably, not arguably, is one of the highest ranked recruits Tennessee has ever signed and, and will always be up there towards the top of the list of recruits that they will ever sign. But still cool to see a, a young man who grew up uh, a diehard Tennessee fan coming to games, just wanting to wear the orange, run through the tee, had, had Tennessee posters in his room. Cool, cool to see him earn a, a preferred walk-on spot and just wants to come in and, and do his part to, to make his teammates better. There's a lot to be said for that. I love it. I love it. I don't think that answers the, the question about um, who's going to be the third quarterback. If you have some injuries, you look at the 49ers, and they went through a couple quarterbacks this season with injuries. You got Joe Milton. You got Nico. Uh, I don't know if you're going to expect any transfer quarterbacks coming from the portal that well it'll be gaston more well yeah but like for those who wondering if tennessee's gonna get in the portal to try to replace haven jackson like if you were a starting quarterback somewhere and you got into the portal would you want to come here and, and, and be behind the big nil guy and nico and joe milton who just signed a, a, a fresh nil deal like no you didn't want to sign up for that no, <coughs> that don't make any sense. So just don't get hurt. That's just, that's all I would tell 
the quarterbacks in the offensive line, block your butt off. That's what I would say. Slide, get out of bounds, quarterbacks. That's the best thing that I would say. Um, before we go to break, and then we're going to come back. And, Ben, I want you to give us some nuggets on Tennessee baseball. But first, tell you about Hiller and what they have going on. Uh, you can choose between a free 55-inch TV, Apple iPad, Solo Stove, or Nintendo Switch. When you upgrade your home generator with a new whole home generator or a select new HVAC system. Now, when you upgrade to a new tankless water heater, you can choose between a a free 55-inch TV, Nintendo Switch, or Solo Stove. So uh, these deals and specials are going on for a limited time. So it's a great time right now to take advantage of these deals for your upgrades to your home. That is Hiller Plumbing, Heating, Cooling, and Electrical. For more details, visit them online at happyhiller.com. We'll take another timeout. And when we come back, give us the tea, Ben, on the power tea. Coached by Tony V. Hey, hey man, I didn't try to do that. It just came out. I can't help. I got skills. Swain event, fueled by Daddy and Barbecue, top barbecue restaurant in America. We'll be right back. Stay with us. Still sitting on the sidelines trying to figure out how to buy and sell in this complicated market? I get it, and I understand why you're hesitant. That's where I come in. Call me, Jennifer Morris, with Keller Williams Realty at 865-257-7897 or email me at jennifermorris865 at gmail.com. I'm happy to help answer any questions you have, and whether you're ready to rock in two weeks or two years, I'll be here. Look forward to hearing from you soon, and go Vols! We're here with Dr. Michael Carlson of Tennessee Regenerative Sports Medicine to discuss PRP, platelet-rich plasma. If you have orthopedic injuries such as shoulder pain, knee pain, Achilles tendonitis, or tennis elbow, you should give them a call. Good to be back, Jason. We specialize in non-surgical orthopedics, so we treat damaged tendons, ligaments, and joints, including rotator cuff injuries, knee injuries, and elbow and foot problems by using ultrasound-guided injections with PRP. And this form of treatment helps stimulate the body's own reparative process and assist in the healing of damaged tissue. Doc, what makes your training different than others? I've been practicing in Knoxville for over 26 years, and I'm certified in interventional regenerative orthopedic medicine through the American Academy of Orthopedic Medicine. They've been the leader in this form of treatment since 1983. I also teach this form of treatment on a national and international basis to other physicians, residents, and medical students. Here in our clinic, I'm the one doing the procedure, and we're using your own PRP, which are concentrated platelets, to treat your injury. So in other words, Jason, it comes from you and it goes back to you. So you know exactly what you're getting and know exactly the level of training involved. Do what the pros, college athletes, and I have done and visit them online at trsportsmedicine.com. Tennessee Regenerative Sports Medicine, East Tennessee's leader in PRP therapy. Top 100 barbecue restaurant Dead End Barbecue is a no-brainer when you are craving the smoky flavor of quality Q. Dead End makes it easy to enjoy their fantastic menu with online ordering from Chow Now for pickup 
or if you don't feel like leaving the house, then have Dead End Barbecue delivered right to your door by Loco Knoxville or Bite Squad. Cheer on your favorite team with the best barbecue around. Check them out online at deadendbbq.com. Dead End Barbecue. The search is over. Fellas, do you need an annual health exam? I recommend going to Low T Center to get your complete health assessment. They will check all of your levels, not just your T level. In most cases, it's completely covered by your health insurance. And if you don't have insurance, it's less than $100 for a full lab panel and office visit with the medical provider to give you a complete health assessment. Low T Center specializes in men's health, making it quick and easy, even verifying your insurance. Go to LowTCenter.com now to book your online appointment. Low T Center, reinventing men's health care. The conversation doesn't stop when the show is over. Follow the Swain event on Twitter and like the show on Facebook. All right, Swain event fueled by Dead End Barbecue, top 100 barbecue restaurant in America. Ben McKee, go Vols 247. You see him. You see him. Go follow him. Go follow his work. Ben McKee. Daddy McKee. Mm-hmm. Looking like a daddy, too. I see you looking like a daddy. It happens I'm down too. six pounds this week. Thank you very much. It happens. It happens. No, no, no. You ain't going here with me. You can go here with me when you do. What, what have I done on the treadmill this week? Uh, 110 minutes so far this week, and I still got tomorrow too. I'm, I'm down seven pounds. Thank you. Yeah, I mean, you got me beat on on, on, the, on the minutes. I was 228 at at the beginning of the week. I'm at 221. We gonna be 205, 210, maybe right. 200 by the time right. baseball gets into the swing of things. We're gonna be looking like high school daddy Ben. All right, all right. I hope so. Back when I really was daddy McKee. All right, I'm mean, I'm ready to go to the baseball games this year. In a wife beater, let's go. That's what I'm doing, or we'll just call it a tank top. You know, can't say that anymore. I guess you gotta be careful about what you say about anything now, man. I know it. That I say wife beater, but obviously that. I mean, like listen to it. Like listen, like we've been saying it for so long. Have we stopped and like heard yourself? A shirt called a wife beater. Like it's not a. Why is it named that? In well, use your imagination. So we just gonna call it a tank top. Uh, well, uh, I I assumed, but I was hoping for. Yeah, I don't know either. Reasons. I don't know why it's called that. I got a pretty good but idea. A, but I don't like calling it a tank top either, though, because there's a distinct difference between a tank top and a wife beater. They ain't the same. I know, but I'm just trying not to get canceled because I don't. I, I, I'm with you. Look, I don't. I don't like saying it, but we got to come up with a different word. A white tank top because it's not a tank top. How about a white tank top? I think my mom always called them undershirts, and I just knew that she was referencing. All right, so we'll call the, it a white undershirt. The, the white tank top. We we'll call it a white undershirt then. A white undershirt tank top. We, we, we can both pull up with, with, with some white. Under shirt, tank tops, and some white forces looking like I don't wear forces. The minute the the men in white, I don't wear forces. Why you don't like the way they feel on your feet? They clunky. They look clunky to me. I used to like I used to wear I, them back I, in college, but I don't like them anymore. 
I like uh, Jordan ones or, or or um, dunks. I mean, I like the way they look better than Air Force ones. That's all I'm saying. I'm with you. All right, speaking of baseball, Ben McKee, what is going on, man? What's, what's my guy Tony Vitello up to? He he's up to trying to get this baseball team ready. They they play two weeks from tomorrow, which is absolutely crazy to think about. They fly out to Arizona uh, the Wednesday of that week, so not this upcoming Wednesday, but the the following Wednesday, February fifteenth, and they will play three games in the MLB four tournament. Uh, in Scottsdale, Arizona, they'll they'll play Arizona, the University of Arizona on Friday, which is a very good baseball program. Then they'll play Grand Canyon on Saturday, the same day that Tennessee travels to Lexington to play basketball. And Grand Canyon, uh, another good baseball program. And they have a shortstop, Jacob Wilson, who will be a top five, top ten pick. So that'll be a fun matchup uh, watching Chase Burns or, or Drew Beam go up against him uh, and then Sunday they're playing UC San Diego I believe so season's here man season is, is here and they have as much talent as anybody they obviously have a lot of pieces to replace uh, in the lineup but that that pitching staff is just going to be absolutely disgusting uh, Chase Chase Dolander Chase Burns Drew Beam without a doubt the best starting rotation in, in college baseball going into the year, and then they're going to be deep in the bullpen. Uh, they, they made several big-time JUCO additions uh, that, that are going to factor into the pitching staff, and uh, it, it's kind of cool how the bullpen ha- has come together. You, you return Kirby Cannell, uh, you return Wyatt Evans. Those, those two guys are going to have big roles. Uh, I, I think Wyatt Evans is, is going to be one of the pitchers that really surprises fans this season. He, he's a future big league pitcher, uh, and he'll be a sophomore this year. Uh, upper 90s, lefty, good breaking stuff. Uh, but you, yeah. you didn't realize at, yeah. at the end of July that you you were going to have Seth Halverson, Zach Joyce, Andrew Lindsay, and even Camden Sewell. Uh, when the season ended last year, Camden Sewell was ready to move on to the next chapter of his life uh, in terms of beginning to work um, just a, a normal job and uh, work on building a career. And then he decided that he, he – would regret later in life not taking advantage of the free year of eligibility. So he's back. Uh, Zach Joyce, uh, who who dealt with uh, some some mental health stuff, and, and I wrote a story back on him back in the summer. Uh, kudos to him for being very open about it and trying to encourage others to, to talk about their issues. Uh, but he, he was just kind of tired of baseball, had Tommy John. He elects to, to play baseball because he missed it after watching Ben Joyce blow up last year. Uh, Seth Halverson, this time last year, Seth Halverson, who is a Missouri transfer, he was throwing a bullpen in January, and his arm just snapped, fractured his arm on just a nasty fracture, and was was going to try and come back right around the start of SEC play, but a screw came loose in his arm, and, and they had to, to really fix that. He, he's a guy that could play uh, in, in the major leagues one day. He, he's just had trouble um, staying healthy, uh, but he's a guy that has just absolutely filthy stuff. And then Andrew Lindsay, an- another quirky story, uh, w- was at Charlotte, Tennessee native, 
and was also dealing with some stuff in his personal life, decided to take a year off of baseball, and now he's back. So those are our four guys right there with with quirky stories who at the end of the season last year, you didn't realize that you were going to have. But all four have big league potential, and nobody outside of Knoxville is talking about them. Nobody really in Knoxville is talking about them. And if they pitch to, to their capability, you throw in those four arms on top of Kirby Cannell, on top of Wyatt Evans, on top of the starting rotation that's the best in the country. And, oh, by the way, Chase Dolander might be the number one overall pick in the draft. People are saying he's the, the best college pitching prospect since Steven Strasburg, the, the best pitching prospect over the last decade. The, this this team has un, unreal talent. And I, I haven't even talked about the offense and the fact that Blake Burke is going to hit a million bombs. That's my guy. Zane, Zane Denton, the Alabama transfer at third base, He's going to hit a ton of bombs hold as on. a lefty in Lindsey Nelson Stadium. I'm, I'm, I'm going to let you cook. I just need to stop you for a second. We got an Alabama transfer? Yeah, third base. Uh, he, he's a Tennessee native. <sighs> okay. He's a Tennessee native. So he, he's really good. He, he's hurt Tennessee before, uh, funny enough. Remember when uh, Chase Dolander uh, got hit by the line drive on that Friday night game uh, against Alabama mm-hmm. last season? Mm-hmm. He's the one that hit Chase in the arm, which prompted Frank to come out of the dugout, which prompted Tony to come out of the dugout and bump Jeffrey Macias. Ah, uh, oh, uh, okay. But yeah. but he's going to play great defense and and hit a ton of home runs. Christian Moore at second base is going to have a great year uh, as well offensively. Uh, and, and Tony Vitello recently spoke about both of those guys' defense. It's just not a bat that they have, but he, he thinks that they're going to be plus defenders by the time their career's done. Uh, Maui Ahuna at shortstop was the transfer that they brought in, and he is probably, assuming he has a good season, he'll be a first-round pick in the draft in June, just uh, an unreal defender. Uh, Baseball America polled uh, professional organizations last week. Uh, and, and those professional organizations, I think 15 responded, and, and he was voted as the best defensive infielder in college baseball and, and the second best infield arm. So he, he's just an unreal talent, and, and he can really hit. And then the outfield, obviously you're, you're replacing Jordan Beck, you're replacing Drew Gilbert, um, but and kind of Evan Russell, but you, you bring in Griffin Merritt from Cincinnati, who was the AAC player of the year last year and hit over 20 home runs, if I remember correctly. He's going to hit a ton of home runs as a ball this season out in left field. You got Kyle Booker back, and and he has the potential to, to have, I'm, I'm not going to say exactly like a Trey Lipscomb breakout season because Trey Lipscomb probably should have won SEC Player of the Year, but they talk about Kyle Booker in the regard that they talked about Trey Lipscomb before Trey Lipscomb broke out. Uh, and, and Kyle Booker is a, a diet dynamic player so he'll be out in the outfield Jared Dickey was moving the catcher but now they've got him out in the outfield and I mean Jared Dickey's a preseason All-American he, he can really swing it and, and they have some some freshman phenoms in, in the outfield uh Drew Drew Gilbert and Jordan Beck all over again uh and Reese Chapman and Dylan Dryling they're, they're two guys that probably should have been drafted they turned down a lot of money to come to Tennessee and they're, they're really going to get a crack at playing time as true freshmen, they'll start one of the games out in Arizona, and it'll be up to them from there to to see how much they play. So uh, th- this team ha- has a lot of new to it, 
and there's a, a leadership question, I guess you could say, but I, I don't really expect that to be an, an issue. I think there's enough for turning and the culture is already established to, to where they won't have to, to worry about leadership being an issue, but it's going to be a fun baseball season. It, it really is. And they, they have a chance to, to go win a national championship and we'll see if they can go out there and do it. Who? Who? I was saying this uh, a couple days ago uh, on Joshua Swain that I honestly like going to the baseball games more like going to the football and basketball games. I'm a, a fun time with, with the fam and, you know, football games are now different for me. So, like, I'm not able to watch them the same way as before because I'm actually working during the game. So, now it's basketball and baseball, being able to take my family and, and, and go and see the game. But baseball, man, that's that that's become, for me, better than going to football uh, and basketball games with the family. So, I, I can't wait to – uh, the basketball season, I mean, the baseball season, and there's a lot of games. I can tell you one thing. If we so happens to, to fall short to a team that's inferior to us, I'm not going to be overcritical and freaking out. <laughs> that, yeah. Uh, that, I mean, that'd be, we, people need to be reminded that you said it earlier, 57 and nine, that that's not common. Uh, e- even the team, the team that made it to Omaha, <laughs> the, last year's team didn't even make it to Omaha. The one that did had twice as many losses. That that 2021 team, the one that made it to Omaha, they they had 18 losses. They yeah. had twice as many, yeah, and, and couldn't get over the hump against the Arkansas and, and Vanderbilts that season. So Tennessee's going to win a lot of baseball games, and I, I do think people need to realize that SEC football is a beast. SEC basketball's becoming a beast. SEC baseball is different. Different, man. different. It is like it's literally a, another version of the minor league. So that that is why you see Ole Miss be on the verge of parting ways with its coach going into the postseason because they were the last team in the field. That that is a fact. Ole Miss was the last team in the field because they got beat up on during SEC play, and then it it, it just clicked. They 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 went into the NCAA tournament and beat up on the Miamis of the world, and so folks are going to have to remember that like Tennessee's going to win some in SEC play and they're going to lose some because there's not an off week. Really the only off week you have is against Missouri. And that's the first weekend of SEC play for Tennessee this season. After that, Texas A&M comes to Knoxville. Texas A&M's a preseason top 10 team. Then you go to LSU the next week, which is the consensus preseason number one. Then the next week, I think Vanderbilt comes to town. Vanderbilt's a preseason top 10 team. Then you go to Arkansas, another preseason top 10 team. Mississippi State comes to town after that. They're a preseason top 25 team. And, and I mean, I haven't even gotten to the, the Floridas, which is a preseason top five team. It, it's it's ridiculous. So Tennessee's going to win some. They're going to lose some. But at the end of the day, they have a, as good a team as anybody in the country on paper. And I'd be surprised if, if they don't have a – a great deal of success, and, and hopefully they're able to get over the hump and go win some games in Omaha this year. Man, sounds good to me. I will encourage the good folks to pay attention to my Twitter timeline over the weekend or pay attention to the Go Balls 247 Facebook page or Twitter page, or, hey, just go visit the page the website. I will have plenty of baseball coverage up over the next several days. Uh, I was able to sit down with Tony Vitello, 
earlier today for about 20 minutes. He was very gracious with his time. And, and I've got a, a Q&A coming out in the morning with him. I've got a part one tomorrow morning, and then I'll have a part two on Monday. Part one is is more current state of the program. I did put out a, a story on the facilities and, and kind of where they're at with that earlier tonight. Uh, and and then there's some other big picture questions uh, about how this team can get over the hump and win some games in Omaha and how different it is to recruit right now and all that fun stuff. And, and then the one on Monday will be more about the current team and, and some of the JUCO arms that I did not touch on. Uh, he, he had a cool comment uh, about Redmond Walsh and what Redmond thinks of the talent level of this team. And Redmond's been here forever. He was on the Dave Serrano teams there at, at the end of Dave Serrano. So uh, he would know as well as anybody how this talent stacks up. So uh, Tony's always good with a mic in front of his face, obviously, but uh, very insightful and, and very kind to sit down. And uh, I think another cool thing that I've got in the works this weekend is the Diamond Balls podcast is coming back early next week. Okay. And on the first one, Connor Pavoloni, former Tennessee catcher, he and I are going to sit down tomorrow for 30, 40 minutes and break down this Tennessee baseball team. Okay. And uh, Pav, Pav's been working out uh, back here. He's in the Baltimore Orioles organization right now. Uh, and he, along with several guys, uh, come back in the offseason. And uh, he, he purchased uh, an apartment uh, here. And, and he's going to call Knoxville his home during the offseason. Uh, but him, Jake Rucker, uh, Cortland Lawson. I saw Drew Gilbert today, uh, Trey Lipscomb. Uh, all those guys come back and, and work out here. But he, he's my point is that he's been around the team because he's been working out. He's been around this team since uh, September, October, uh, working out. So he, he is very, very well versed in what this team is capable of and, and the different guys on this team. So he, he's going to be kind enough to, to sit down and, and break down this roster with me. So uh, be on the lookout for that on Monday morning as well. Love it. Love it. Hey, man. That's good stuff right there, Ben. You're pretty good at this whole hey. media thing. Look, I, I'm I'm just out here staying in my lane, grinding, and uh, chipping away at it. And look, we'll also have plenty of basketball coverage. Big basketball game on Saturday. It's going to be a fun one. Always fun when Bruce Pearl comes back to town. Had, 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 has had Rick's number a little bit, but... Uh, this is a an Auburn team that is a top 25 team, Swain, but I, I think Tennessee is the better team. They looked really good against Georgia last night, and we talked about Colin Castleton. Uh, Janai Broom, Auburn's big man, Tennessee's post better be ready to play because he, look, Katie Johnson, he's got his energy. Janai Broom matches that energy in the post. So yeah. it, it'll be a fun game on, on Saturday. Tennessee's got practice tomorrow. I'll, I'll have plenty of coverage of the basketball team all weekend long as well. Let's go! Swain event fueled by Dead End Barbecue, live here in the Low T Center studio. Big thanks to Ben McKee, GoVols247, for gracing us with the baseball outlook for the upcoming season. For Ben McKee, I am Jason Swain. We hope y'all have a blessed, blessed rest of your day. Thank you for making the Swain event part of your day. We are out. Peace and love. <laughs>